Hi, Ann Pearson here. And before I begin today's episode, I'm excited to tell you about the Paralegal Bootcamp's new three-step roadmap to manage cases like a rock star paralegal. If you're fairly new to litigation, this quick start guide will help you figure out three things that you can be doing to help you better anticipate what the attorney needs before they have to ask for it. It'll help reduce some of those last minute scrambles, especially if you're working for an attorney who's a procrastinator or someone who doesn't always share all of the important case information with you. I put this three-step roadmap into a downloadable PDF for you, and it's completely free. You can get yours on our website at paralegal-bootcamp.com forward slash three steps. Hi there, you're listening to the Paralegals on Fire podcast show where you'll be getting tips and actionable strategies that you can use right now to fast track your paralegal career. I'm your host, Ann Pearson, former paralegal and paralegal manager who left big law in the concrete jungle to start my own company, the Paralegal Bootcamp, where we give online courses that help paralegals make more money, increase their job security, and cut out the learning curve. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. Well, today I'm excited to introduce someone to you whom I've known since 2005. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah. So I've known you now, Kim, for 17 years. Where does time go? And it's been my pleasure all 17 years. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, and the reason I know the year that we met is because she was one of my first new hires after taking on a paralegal manager position in 2004. And I invited her on the podcast today because she is the perfect example of how to welcome mobility into your paralegal career, regardless of where you are now or where you think you might be in 17 years. This episode's for you. Kim Bookout was one of the best litigation paralegals I've ever met. And I don't say that lightly. It wasn't just because she had great litigation skills. She also had great people skills, problem-solving skills, professionalism calm under pressure, the list goes on. And she had all of that while working on a team that wasn't known for being easy to work for. It was paralegals like Kim who made my job as a manager so much easier. So fast forward 17 years, and she's now a solution consultant for Opus 2. I'll put a link to their website in the show notes for you to learn more. But essentially, Opus 2 is a legal technology company that offers a streamlined case management solution for everything from document management through hearings, arbitrations, and trial. Kim now uses her 20-plus years of experience as a litigation paralegal and litigation support professional to help legal teams all over the country streamline their litigation with Opus 2 technology solutions. So welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for such a warm introduction. You're welcome. So I have to start by saying, isn't it a little surreal that I'm interviewing you on a podcast show? (laughs) Absolutely. I think back to when we first met 17 years ago and my hands were sweating in my interview and I was hoping to get the job and then how much I learned in those years that we worked together and I learned from you. So yeah, this is absolutely surreal and it's come full circle and I just couldn't be happier about it. Well, you know, which is why I think this episode 
is perfect for career mobility. You just never know where your paralegal career can lead you, where it led you, where it led me. So before we jump into tips, though, on the mobility in a paralegal career, I have to ask the question that I know the listeners are going to want to know first. What does a typical day look like for you as a solutions consultant? Yeah, well, you know, that's something that I've had to work to define. You know, day one, I had never had this role before and there was no playbook for this role. So a lot of it was kind of trial by fire. So now what my day looks like, what I've decided is that I have to have the early morning hours for me are a time where I can strategize. I can think about big picture things, five-year things that I want to accomplish, big goals. And then as the day kind of kicks up, then I start having client meetings, sales demos, talking with potential clients, having meetings with existing clients, helping them with workflow. And that's where some of my paralegal background has really come in handy because I deal with people who are at sometimes the most stressful point of their case. Maybe they're at pretrial, at deposition designations, and they really need some useful tips and strategies for how to streamline that process and reduce those pain points using Opus 2. So that's probably part of my favorite times of the day. Well, I was going to ask, how do you think that your paralegal experience, you know, we can talk about lit support in a minute, but you were initially a litigation paralegal for many years. How do you think that that experience has helped you in the current position, like specific skill sets or things like that? Yeah, I don't feel like I could be doing this job as well as I do without that experience. So in the sales part of this, you have to kind of sell people on what that experience is going to do to help their lives and help them win cases. And it's really hard to do that unless you've been in their shoes. So even just telling them all of the possibilities of how a tool can help you throughout early case assessment all the way through an appeal being a litigation paralegal has positioned me to talk about that in a way that probably not everyone else could. Additionally, I think it helps me on the product side. A lot of times there might be a bit of a disconnect between a software developer and a practicing attorney. And so I feel like I'm in a great position to bridge that and kind of talk to the developers about what a day in the life of a practitioner is really like, and then devise new solutions to help the attorneys and their case teams. I like that, the bridging, because sometimes it's referred to as attorney speak or attorney language and how to speak to them in the language they're speaking. Yes, absolutely. Part of being a great paralegal um, or now a solution consultant is doing a bit of translation work between all of those groups. And I think all of the paralegals listening will probably understand that quite a bit. And then along those lines, how do you think, so you were a litigation paralegal for many years, and then you went into litigation support. How was that litigation support role different than the paralegal role and that experience that you bring to Opus with the litigation support? Well, and it is, there's a lot of differences. Some of it is the same in that there's a lot of people in litigation support that come from IT backgrounds that maybe don't have that practical application that they can rely on. One of the things that I was most worried about, I had been a paralegal with really good tech skills. And then when e-discovery was really burgeoning before there was even federal rules, I was quick to adopt 
a lot of best practices and really be thinking about how to help lawyers in the e-discovery process. So I came into litigation support with that skill set. However, the thing that I was most worried about missing was my closeness to the actual case, like being at the table at trial or helping prepare for depositions, being that central figure. I felt like I was really going to miss that. And what I found was that being in litigation support opened me up to so many more cases and so many more case teams. And yeah, maybe I wasn't as close to the case, but I was instrumental in almost every huge litigation that was in my firm. So that was a great opportunity and something that I really enjoyed. Well, let's back up a little bit. How did you get into litigation support? How did you find yourself transitioning from litigation paralegal to litigation support? Well, interestingly, it was a bit of a change in my life my personal life that made me think about changes that I could make to my professional life. So I just had my second child and come back from maternity leave and was kind of welcomed with the news that this case team, this partner that I'd been working with and loved for years was moving to another firm. And that was really tough for me because I wasn't ready to move to another firm. I loved my firm and I just had two babies at that firm. And at the same time, a position for litigation support was coming up. And I certainly didn't feel like I was qualified, but I thought I could throw my hat in and I thought I could learn and do that job. And I wanted to try something new. And so I basically picked up the phone and called that director of litigation support and said, you know, I want this job and let me talk to you and tell you all the reasons why I think you need me on this team, even though I may not possess all of the technical skills that you would expect from somebody in this position. I'm a quick learner. I can learn this. And I ended up beating out. I mean, I think there was, we got down to three people that were really great candidates. And I think because I was a known quantity in the firm, I, maybe that gave me a little bit of an edge. I hope so. Wow. So I love that because just a few weeks ago, we had someone on the podcast who moved from part-time night receptionist all the way up to a firm-wide director position. And she said a lot during that, if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. So if you hadn't asked, the answer was no. That's absolutely true. If I hadn't have asked and kind of saw an opportunity and thought maybe this is something that I could try, and that's exactly what it is. It's trying. It doesn't mean you have to build your career in that. It's, I think I'd like to give this a shot. You know, I probably just would have been assigned to the next case team or I would have moved to the other firm and kind of started over somewhere. I mean, my life would have been different. It would still be fine, but it certainly would be different and I may not be here today. So they they go to another firm. You asked for the position at litigation support. And then how long were you in that role? I was in that role for about seven years. And during that time, wow, I learned so much. I really, I thought I was a super technical paralegal. And I realized that I was a very non-technical litigation support specialist. <laughs> so I had to up those skills. I took that opportunity to get all of the certifications I could. So if you feel like maybe you don't have everything it takes to belong in this group of professionals, the best way to overcome that is to learn. 
learn from them, learn from your team and learn from others. So I got, you know, e-discovery certifications, relativity certifications, every kind of certification I could to continue to grow that skill set. That's really good advice, especially because I know a lot of paralegals, I hear from them sometimes that they feel like they have imposter syndrome starting out, but then somehow it never really goes away. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely true. I, it's something I still kind of fight today. And, you know, others will look at you and, and kind of their eyes go wide and say, how could you have an imposter syndrome? You, you know exactly what you're doing. But on the inside, you know, I think that's something that we all kind of can struggle with. So now fast forward, you're at Opus. How did you get the position at Opus 2? Opus 2, that was also something a little bit similar, something kind of, you know, I guess it happened to all of us. It was the pandemic of 2020 that kind of went on for years after. Maybe we're still in it. That was kind of this outside force that made me start rethinking my career. Just, is there anything else that I want to do? I feel like I'm kind of mastering this litigation support thing after seven or eight years. What else might there be for me? And I started really thinking about the things that I love about my day. What parts are my favorite parts? And I kind of landed on, I love supporting case teams when they're using Opus 2. They genuinely enjoy using the software. I enjoy interacting with the support team. And I thought, I wonder if that's something that I could do. I went on their website and they were not hiring. There was no open positions. I had a contact in the marketing department because I had done a case study with them about a year before. So I actually just shot her an email and said, I'd love to talk to you. I've been doing some thinking and we scheduled a call and I told her, I would love to come and work for Opus 2. What do you think about that? And she said, this is great timing. My next call I'm going to be on is with the CEO. Can you send me your resume now? (laughs) Wow. Um, I love that. And then, I mean, the rest, I guess, as they say, is history. But there was a process. You know, part of that was navigating the firm I was leaving was a very big client of Opus 2. And so how do you leave and make sure that everybody is still really happy at the end of the day and that there's no hard feelings. And luckily, I had an amazing boss at the firm I was at who was very supportive of my career aspirations that made that process really easy for me. That's really good to know that paralegals out there that are listening, you know, that's two examples of asking and And maybe the answer might have been no, right? But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't at least ask. That's right. You know, and and I was absolutely prepared for the answer to be no all the way through until I had an offer letter. So it's always a surprise, a pleasant surprise when the answer is yes. And it's important to have a plan B, you know, I mean, which I did. However, I think putting yourself out there and asking and reaching out to the people that you know and kind of just being honest about where you want to go with your career is so important. And you have to have a bit of trust with people in order to do that. Well, so this podcast is all about giving actionable strategies that paralegals can use to advance their careers. And sometimes that means advancing their career into something that utilizes those paralegal skills and might lead them into a whole new career. 
As a litigation paralegal, though, it takes more than just being a great litigation paralegal to take on a role like what you have now, Kim. So when we caught up a couple of weeks ago and talked about the podcast, you said that it was because of some lessons that you learned and things that you could share with others about how to have mobility in their career. Can you share a few of those with us? Yeah, actually, I it was nice to be able to go back and really think about how you can make this happen. And for me, the number one thing about how to advance mobility in your career is to be professional and kind to everybody. So, you know, we were joking about when I first became a litigation paralegal, there was kind of a reputation for litigation paralegals. They were very tough, very tough on vendors. It was kind of cutthroat. There was sometimes a lot of drama that was going on inside firms regarding billable hours and sharing work and sharing information. And so that was the culture I was raised in a bit. And it took me kind of evaluating that and saying, that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. I want to be professional and I want to be kind to everybody. That really started changing my career when I wanted to share opportunities, limelight, experiences. And then I found people were willing to help me. I got a great reputation. People wanted to work with me. So that was really kind of a turning point, I think, in my career. So in other words, you never know who your next boss is going to be. Absolutely. So, I mean, actually a good point in that is that, you know, when I had to pick up the phone and call that marketing person at Opus 2 and say I wanted a job, the reason that she was willing to entertain that thought was because I was willing to help them in promoting their business when talking about a successful case that we had in our firm using Opus 2. So kind of being willing to do other people favors just in life will open up a lot of doors for you. All right. So that's actionable strategy number one, everybody. Be professional and kind to everyone. Everyone. So that might be, you know, the secretary, the mailroom person, you never know who's going to be able to kind of help you and save the day and help you become the hero. And then I would say kind of honing your skills. And the one thing that I've seen really successful paralegals be able to do is continue to develop their legal skills. I mean, it can be easy to get complacent and say, I know everything there is to know about this area that I practice in or this team that I work for, but really being able to always think about, you know, what can I do for my career? And oftentimes your firm will help you do that. So if you're employed, let your employer pay for your professional development. So are there any certifications that may be transferable in the future? So there's real estate, whether you're a real estate paralegal, litigation paralegal, corporate paralegal, There are outside certifications that can help you do your job in your law firm. It's a really easy business case to make, but can also be transferred outside of a law firm if you ever decide to move. And then if you're not employed or your company is not willing to make that investment, you can find free classes and webinars. I mean, Relativity, that's how I learned so much. They offered so many great webinars and I was able to really hone my Relativity skills for free until the firm decided that they would invest in the certification. So I actually had an episode a couple of weeks ago about that um, in terms of e-discovery or litigation paralegals and reminded them there's that all of 
the vendors will want them to use their software. So a lot of them have free classes and the certification, I think the price has come down somewhat because the last I looked, I think it's for each one of them, maybe 200 or $300 max for the yes. certification. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it, it certainly pays for itself. There are some certifications that I've actually taken out of my own pocket because I felt like they were so valuable either to help me do my job or to help invest in my future. I like that. Okay. So number two is hone your skills. Do you have any others? Well, and this one may come very naturally for me because I'm a bit of an extrovert. I know this doesn't come naturally for everybody, but meet people. It's really easy, especially inside these large firms to kind of stay in your little group, maybe not socialize at, you know, the firm events or go to your networking events. But I would recommend, especially now there's so many Zoom opportunities, even if you're not one to go out and mingle. But I would say meeting people is one of the key things in inviting mobility. And that could be volunteering. There's so many legal aid things that are available and it doesn't even have to be legal. I mean, a lot of the volunteering that I've done has been like Habitat for Humanity or something else where you'll find a lot of professionals are also there and you never know who you're going to kind of bump into and what opportunities might be there for you. And then if you think you want a job, so for instance, as a paralegal who's thinking maybe I want to go into litigation support, start really getting to know the people in litigation support. They have the job that you think you want. Now go find out if you really want that job or maybe it really stinks. It's not so great. And they'll tell you that. And then of course, you know, just being willing to do favors for others, whether that's other paralegals, maybe even in other groups. I mean, I've done some corporate work for corporate paralegals who are buried. I've done healthcare work for healthcare paralegals that are buried. And then when I'm getting ready to go to trial and I need help with my exhibits, those people are right in my corner helping me. And then build your network, you know, your network of friends and professional people that you can trust and rely on. All right. I like that. All right. So that's three actionable strategies <laughs> so far. So meet people. Anything else? Well, I guess I would just say be ready. And this is probably for me a bit of the hardest one because I'm naturally a bit of a procrastinator. So being ready also means keeping your resume updated. So for instance, you know, a good example is when I was talking to the Opus 2 representative and she said, send me your resume. I've got a call with the CEO next. I had to kind of quickly put some finishing touches, make it look a little bit like I was more, maybe a little bit away from the e-discovery and paralegal stuff, a little bit more on the consulting side. And that's something that I probably should have had already updated. So now, even though I'm totally happy at Opus 2 and I can't imagine ever leaving, I do, if I learn a new skill or if I'm mastering something that's new, I just update my resume with it. So I don't have to do that later. And then I would say, if you're in firm or no matter what company you're working with, look at the job postings internally. So you don't want to be the last person to know that a new job has opened up in your firm in litigation support, for instance, and you just didn't hear about it because you didn't check the job postings. And then, you know, 
If it's not within your firm, if you're kind of looking outside, just make sure that you're getting job updates for postings that match your skill set. So if you're really great in e-discovery or if you're really great in like hot seat work for trials, go ahead and start typing those skill sets into LinkedIn and see what kind of jobs are available for people with those skills. It's not necessarily what you think. It's not necessarily just another paralegal job. There might be a consulting opportunity for a trial company or a software company like I've, you know, found. You really just never know what types of jobs are going to need the skills that you already possess. I totally agree. In fact, I had a whole podcast episode. I'll put a link to it. I can't remember the podcast number, but it was on alternative paralegal careers that you can take your skills and turn into an entirely different skill set or entirely different career. Well, and one of the skills that I think all paralegals possess that sometimes is an underrated skill, but in the professional world is the most important skill is an attention to detail. So regardless of what practice area you're working in, you probably have a greater attention to detail than 98% of the people working in professional jobs today. And that is a valuable skill no matter where you go. Oh, I agree. I agree totally. And you help me with that, Anne. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I want to recap those four actionable strategies for people to take for mobility in their paralegal career. And then I just want to end with one final question for Kim. So it was be professional and kind to everyone, hone your skills, go out and meet people, whether that's by Zoom or in person. And be ready. Keep your resume updated. Look for those opportunities. Get job postings. So those are your four actionable strategies. But Kim, you just mentioned you know an important skill, attention to detail, which is very important. Another one, the interpersonal skill of what I would call being able to work for sometimes difficult people. Because back when you were a litigation paralegal, you worked for a team that I would describe as not so easy to work for. <laughs> And I know this because I hired you to work for them. (laughs) Now, they were all very smart, super intelligent, like top, top lawyers. And they were also intense. And they worked on very high profile cases with a lot riding on them to win them. And they did a very good job at that. But with that comes some intense personalities. Do you have any advice for paralegals out there on how to work on a team like that? How to survive? Yeah, it it, (laughs) is. I guess it is a bit of survival. And interestingly, I think that skill just came into play yesterday as I was on a sales call with an attorney who was tough. And I was like being cross-examined by him. And when we ended the call, the salesperson said, wow, that was a really tough call. And I said, he's a really good attorney. (laughs) It's just a different way of looking at it. And obviously not taking it personally, I've definitely had my share of, you know, wiping away tears in the bathroom. I don't know anybody in law who hasn't had that experience, but ultimately understanding that this isn't about you, understanding that everybody's working for the client and it's your client as well. And so when you really take that into account, like, I really want to do a great job because I want to get the absolute best result for this client. It takes a lot of that personality stuff out of it. And then kind of getting to know people on a personal level, 
And sometimes that's hard to do, but even the toughest attorneys, they've got kids, they've got families, they go on vacation, they're still human. And so if you connect to them, some of those same people that were kind of known for being really, really tough, I had the best laughs with, the best times with, where it was ended up getting invited to like their homes for Christmas parties and getting to know their families. So it's kind of interesting if you can get over the harshness of the moment, compartmentalize that and say, everybody's working their hardest for the client. Then underneath, you realize that they are just people. They realize that you are just a person and we're all working really hard for the same goal. I love it. I love it. That's a great way to end the episode. All right. Well, so Kim, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, reach out to you, I can put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well. But do you have an email that you'd want to share? Yes, I can be reached at kbookout at opus2.com. If you're interested to learn more about our company, you can go to our website. We're an international company with services all over the world. And yeah, I look forward to hearing if you have any questions or want to bounce ideas off of me or questions about how to get into maybe working with a software company, I'd be happy to answer them. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you, Anne. Thank you for inviting me. It's been wonderful talking with you today. And this relationship is so important to me. So thanks. Me too. I'm so glad we got to connect today. All right, everybody. That's it for this week's episode of Paralegals on Fire. I'll see you next week. Same place, same time. All right. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today. Share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.